Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, but give back to God the things that are God's. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. There's an old joke about a man who felt deeply convicted after hearing a sermon on money and the trappings of greed. And so whenever he got home from church, this man wrote a letter to the IRS that said, I just can't sleep knowing that I've cheated on my income taxes and closed as a check for $1,000. He then added, P.S., if I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. (laughs) If you are new to St. Michael's, we dedicate the month of October to taking an honest look at how we relate to money. And together we explore what we call extravagant generosity. And when we use this phrase, extravagant generosity, we mean two things. First, this is a statement about who God is. God is extravagantly generous. But it's also a statement about who we are as people created in the image of an extravagantly generous God. Now, this opening joke that I told, you know, I'm well aware whenever I craft these sermons that that joke wasn't really that funny. Uh, I do appreciate some of the courtesy laughter. But the main reason I told the joke was because it reveals something deeply true about how we show up to this conversation we are mildly conflicted. We want to give, to be extravagantly generous, and to know that we're not just recipients of the church's mission, but vital supporters of that mission. But at the same time, we're also a little ambivalent. And there is always going to be a part of us that wants to know what God considers to be generous enough, or maybe what the rector considers to be generous enough, and then to kind of hold back what we can for ourselves. And so here's the question I want to introduce this morning. Can we embrace this journey to generosity from a place of love and curiosity and humor and faith and openness and not from a place of fear, skepticism, or defensiveness. In other words, is it possible for something to awaken inside of us so that this conversation about faith and money is both exciting and meaningful? Because I know from experience that it absolutely can be. And so to start, let's take a look at today's gospel where the Pharisees come to Jesus with a very specific question about money. Should we pay taxes to Caesar 
or should we not? And while theirs is more of a political question than it is a theological one, it's still a question about money nonetheless and about what their posture should be with respect to giving. And what I love about Jesus' answer is that he doesn't give them a formula. He doesn't provide a black and white response. But instead, Jesus reminds the Pharisees who they are and whose image they bear because Jesus knows that if they get that right, that the question about money will take care of itself. Give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, but give back to God that which belongs to God. Now, the Greek word translated give is more accurately translated to give back or to restore. And so, in today's gospel, whenever Jesus takes their coin and examines the coin, Jesus looks and he sees the image of Caesar stamped on that coin. And so, he says to the Pharisees, this coin belongs to Caesar, this coin bears his image, and so, give it back to Caesar. But then, Jesus looks at the Pharisees. And Jesus sees a different image that has been stamped on their soul, an image they no longer see in themselves or each other, and that is the image of God. And it's from that place of seeing that they bear the divine image, of seeing that we bear the divine image that Jesus addresses their question about money, the coin, he says, it's Caesar's, and so give it back to Caesar, but you, you belong to God, you are his, you bear the image of my Father in heaven, and so be restored to God, give yourself back to God. And so whenever we talk about this journey to generosity, what we're really talking about at its core is how to give ourselves back to God fully. The primary reason we talk about money in the month of October here at St. Michael's, please understand, the primary reason is not because the church needs your money. Now, I think practically speaking, we all understand that churches don't run on magic but on the intentional, generous, prayer-soaked commitments of the church's members, and that's just a fact. And when it comes time to build an annual budget, basic mathematics always come into play. But that doesn't mean that getting the math to work the way we want the math to work is the deepest truth behind why I'm preaching this sermon series, because the deepest truth is always that the church's vocation is to be a place where we increasingly come to see whose image we bear and from that place of insight increase our capacity to give ourselves back to God fully 
over and over and over again. And so on this journey to generosity, before we even ask the question, how much should we give, there is a prior question we've got to ask, and that's, what do we love? And what is it that we ultimately want? Because here's the thing, I believe that every human being ultimately wants the exact same things. We want joy, we want happiness, fulfillment, connection, we want meaning. But here's the thing, there are two very different views that we've all been exposed to as to how one attains a happy, connected, joyful life. There's the view that we inherit from the world in which we live, which would say maximize pleasure, minimize pain, accumulate all that you can, compete with your neighbor, win at all costs, and pursue your own dream irrespective of the common good. And if we follow that particular path, it will lead to a particular outcome. But then there is Jesus's view which is a different path altogether and which leads to a different outcome and quality of life. And that path has been stated in a variety of different ways. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. For those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know, Jesus articulated this path in a million different ways, but he's talking about the path of the kingdom. And try, as hard as we all do, to mesh these two views together. The truth is, is that they are not compatible. Happiness and joy is either found in a life where our chief aim is to give our full heart, soul, mind, and strength to God, or it's found in a life where our chief aim is to possess, achieve, and consume. And just so we're clear, there is nothing wrong with possessing, achieving, and consuming. I possess things, I achieve things, I consume things. These can be wonderful aspects of a human life. But what we don't want to do is buy into the myth that they have the capacity to nourish the human soul over the long run. I mean, right? Cake is absolutely delicious. I highly recommend that you eat a piece of cake on occasion. And unless there is a medical reason why you can't have a piece of cake, there's something a little off if you never have a piece and enjoy yourself. But if it's the only thing we eat, we will get sick and unhealthy. And the same thing is always true whenever we try to feed the human soul on nothing other than money, achieving, possessing, and consuming. And so what this series on generosity is really about is spiritual health so that we can be reminded about what it is that ultimately nourishes the human soul. In fact, the English word generosity 
is derived from a Latin word, which means of noble birth. When the word generous was used prior to the 17th century, it was always used to indicate that a person belonged to nobility. And part of my goal in this sermon series is to reclaim the original meaning of this word, because theologically speaking, generosity is a byproduct of a noble birth. Not in that it's tied to class or race or societal status, but rather to our divine birthright as people created in the image and likeness of God. And when we grow in a life of extravagant generosity, all that happens is that we can form more closely to our design and become more of who God created us to be, sons and daughters of the Most High God. God is generous. And because we are created in the image of this generous God, generosity is our birthright. And so I'm going to end my sermon today with a, a little story. This happened about a week ago. I was having a conversation with my daughter, Annie, who just turned six years old, and she was telling me that whenever she grew up, she wanted to be just like her mom. And so I said, sweetheart, that is a wonderful goal. Your mom's a lovely person, but tell me why. You know, what is it about mom that you admire? And Annie said, well, she gives me snuggles at night. She's kind. She always packs the right snacks at school. Uh, she's a teacher, Annie said, and, and I think I'll want to be a teacher when I grow up because Mama works so hard, but she's also such a good mom at the same time, and I think I want to be a teacher and work really hard and also be a mom. And so I said, sweetheart, that is so good. Your mom is really special. Is there anything else that you admire about your mother? To which Annie replied, well, I also want to be just like mom because I think it is so neat that she got married to somebody who doesn't really work for a living. <laughs> so I replied, sweetheart, I'm at St. Michael's six days a week. You know, what do you think I do? And she said, I think you sit in your office and eat donuts all day. And this, of course, led to a, a long conversation. Um, Annie learned about W-2s and all kinds of things. But um, I'm not going to inform you about the rest of the conversation, but only to say that as I reflect on this interaction, I was touched in a very deep way that Annie did not consider what I do here to be work. In fact, yesterday we celebrated Annie's sixth birthday, and her party, at Annie's request, was here on this campus because St. Michael's does not live in the same part of her brain as work, but rather in that part of her brain that thinks of love, delight, family, faith, connection, and meaning. And what I want to leave us with today is that this conversation about faith and money does not have to be about work, and that it's really possible to lean into this conversation and to make a sacrificial gift and to live a sacrificial life in such a way 
that it enhances our love, our delight, our connection, and above all else, the meaning we crave as human beings. That's the journey we're going to take in the coming weeks. And friends, to do this work well is our birthright. Amen.